What's going on, everyone? My name is Sergeant First Class Ellis Nota with the Indiana Army National Guard, back again with another edition of the Lima Charlie Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Sergeant Katie Bargerhuff, and today's very special guest. We've got three of them from ROTC, OCS, I guess they're all officer, right? Officer candidates and and officers. Uh, We have uh, Cadet Jose Guerrero. We have Mr. Jerry Barker, the one and only, and of course, First Lieutenant Jay Lee Pineda, the only repeat guest we've ever had here on the podcast uh, between the Not Your Average Joes and Lima Charlie. Welcome back, uh, and welcome, guys, to the uh, to Lima Charlie podcast. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Glad to be here. <laughs> Just for uh, clarification, that's my maiden name. Uh, it's now Browning. Browning. Oops. <laughs> First Lieutenant Jay Lee Browning. Uh, I was just repeating my lines from last time. So glad, so glad to be here. No, thank you guys so much for, for joining us. So um, you commissioned your commissioning source was ROTC, right, ma'am? And then you're still in ROTC, right? That is correct. Uh, where do you go to school at? I go to school at IPY. You're a freshman, sophomore, entering a, my senior year. Entering your senior year yes. in the senior ROTC program. So what motivated you to to join ROTC? How did you hear about it? What made you want to do that? So I was previously a uh, 25 Bravo on the enlisted side. And when it was time to uh, start promoting, uh, starting doing boards, I was starting to be questioned on if I wanted to go uh, officer, uh, stay non-commissioned route on the on the non-commissioned route. And um, I talked with Mr. Barker, actually, and uh, he kind of gave me an insight on what it was uh, to be in ROTC uh, and to have the end state in being an officer and. And I signed up for the mill science courses, attended a couple of the of the labs, and ended up liking it, um, and kind of started from there. So, so you've had a positive experience as a cadet. Absolutely, I'd say so. And yes. you started, so you start, you joined the National Guard, and then you you joined ROTC afterwards, right? Correct. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Now y- you've done the ROTC program, and you've already commissioned. So, how did the program prepare you for where you are now in the Indiana National Guard? Um, I would say the program was a bit more rigorous than it really is in the National Guard world, I say, or I will say, um, especially for the cadets that aren't prior service. I was a prior medic before, so I kind of knew how a normal drill weekend would go. And everyone was terrified to go to their first unit. They're like, we're going to do all of these. We're going to do all the PT. I'm going to have to run faster than everybody in my company. So, I mean, I would say it almost overly prepared me when it came to um, what to expect. Um, Admin-wise, probably not. But when it came to the intensity of what the Army had to bring, I would say it was pretty good. Oh, good. Okay. So... What what is ROTC? What does that stand for? And then what are the different phases um, of of ROTC? That's probably Mr. Barker' question right there. So ROTC stands for the Reserve Officer Training Corps, um, and it's a commissioning source for the U.S. Army. So the Army gets its uh, officers from three locations. You've probably heard of the United States Military Academy at West Point. And then we have this thing called OCS, our Officer Candidate School, which is a measure that the military or the Army has put in place. If they need uh, officers quick, fast, in a hurry, they can use that as a, as a resource to get their officers. But the majority of Army officers come from the R- senior ROTC programs. We're on 275 college campuses across the United States with an additional 1,200 or so partnerships. So the thought process is when you graduate from high school and you bridge into secondary education and you start your degree in any de- in, you know degree map that you yep. wanted to go into, criminal justice yep. or, a, or a, a STEM degree like Cadet Guerrero here and, and Lieutenant uh, Browning. But you you bridge into secondary education and you start that degree and you take a series of electives in ROTC right along with that map. And when you graduate in four years, you would then commission and serve in the Army as an Army officer, either in one of the components of the Army, either the, the active Army, the Army Reserve, or the Army National Guard. Now, now sir, you, you use the word senior ROTC program. Tell me more about that. Is there senior versus junior? Well, of course, they, there, there are junior ROTC programs in high schools all over the, the, the country and several here in the this great state of Indiana. And their mission at the high school level is nothing more to, to, to motivate their cadets to become better citizens. 
So as you bridge into secondary education or the senior program, what we get paid to do is produce Army officers. So it's a little bit like the, the good lieutenant said. It's a little bit more intense when you get at that level. So, so the footprint here in Indiana for, for, your, for your soldiers, there's six host programs across the state. We have programs at, uh, uh, up in Notre Dame, uh, down at Bloomington IU, Purdue, West Lafayette, uh, Rose Holman. Uh, close to Terre Haute. Uh, what's that? What's that school up there in Muncie? I can't. I can't oh, think of it. What, what? I'm hurt. Ball State. <laughs> <I'm> hurt. <laughs> Ball State University, and of course uh, here in uh, Indianapolis, which is IUPUI. And then our footprint here in uh, this this area is is IUPUI is one of the 275 host programs. And then we have partnerships with Butler University, Franklin University. Uh, Marion University, and of course, the University of Indianapolis. So oh, that, that's, those, those students can participate in our yeah. program. That's cool. So you don't have to go to that host program. You can go to one of those right. partnership schools, Crosstown Partnerships, right, right. and still participate yes. in, in ROTC. Now, you, you both had kind of spoke uh, almost about challenges, right? Uh, what are some of the challenges that each you know, a cadet will, will, will go through in each one of these phases? Um, definitely the academic struggle, <laughs> you know, yeah. the kind of the uh, stereotype of oh, college kids are going through do this. Go, they have to study for final exams. Um, that was one of my struggles, kind of aligning my academic studies with ROTC studies and my uh, National Guard side, kind of like keeping that commitment uh, well and kind of uh, balancing that uh, time within those three kind of areas or categories uh, was one struggle for me. First Lieutenant Browning. I would say I 100% agree with that, not only education-wise, because that's a huge part of yeah. how you assess within the ROTC program, but time commitment. So mm -hmm. there is PT, what is it, two or three times a week still? Uh, for us, it's three times a week. Three. So PT, first thing in the morning, three times a week. And then you have classes all day, military science labs, which are a couple hours long every week. So it's it's a shock of time management when you're just coming out of high school and you're just learning how to be an adult. And it is just putting you in a situation to where you have to overcome all these obstacles. Is it the same time commitment freshman through senior year or does it change progressively as you progress through the ranks, you know, MS1 through MS4? So when I went through it, um, time commitment it was kind of the same because um, PT-wise, you still had to go to PT in the morning sure. and you still had to attend the labs. When you do this thing called contracting, that's when you're obligated, like you have to go to it. But in your fr freshman or sophomore year, if you're not contracted and you're just trying to get in the program, you can kind of show up when you want to. But time commitment-wise, you still have PT, you still have labs. The classes um, go from one week to two days a week once you get to that junior, senior level. And then it's all the out-of-classroom work, like preparing for mm -hmm. labs, because once you get higher up there, you're teaching it. You're not just attending it. So it, it gets progressively worse, but <laughs> not too much. I don't know if anyone saw Mr. Barker's face when you said uh, you don't really have to go to PT. I think you have to go to PT. <laughs> I always looked over him. If you're not contracted, you're not obligated to go to PT. Well put, ma'am. <laughs> so you mentioned that there was tons of programs all across, like, the states, right? So what makes the Indiana National Guard, like, different from everybody else? Well, one, it's it's— the the Indiana, Indiana National Guard is one of the largest guards in the in the, the nation. Okay. okay, and then the educational benefits that they offer for their soldiers are second to none. Uh, for example, for example, they have uh, what is it a hundred percent tuition for their soldiers to attend state schools here in the the great state of Indiana. Yep. Uh, not to mention the uh, the GI Bill that goes on top of that, and. Uh, uh, and as a as what we call a SMP or a simultaneous member cadet, where you're a member of the National Guard and ROTC at the same time, you're paid as a a, a or as an E5. You're not a sergeant E5. You're you're paid as an E5, and then you you get an ROTC stipend of four hundred and twenty dollars a month. So, so, so as as coming in as that type of cadet. Um, you're you're taking one of those things away that causes people to drop out of school. The first thing is finances, you know. So so as you come in as a as a student cadet, you're you're taking finances uh, that that problem of paying for school off the table, 
And then the second reason or the, the, that most people drop out of school is they don't have that dil, uh, discipline in order to, you know, get up and go to class and that, that type of thing. And that's one of the things that we look for in our cadets. And just like the good lieutenant was talking about, you really have to be a, a professional at managing your time and keeping keeping your dinner plate, you know, with small portions on it <laughs> so you can get at your uh, at toward the end of your uh, uh, your your main goal is actually get degree degree and then commissioning uh, eventually into the army. Yeah, I I am surprised that you can get college students up for PT. That, yes, yes, that's... yes, yes. So, <laughs> Mr. Barker, you had thrown some monetary values out there a second ago. Some uh, some money. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. So they if they are a contracted cadet, uh, obligated as mm-hmm. uh, as Lieutenant Browning said, uh, they'll get the, the cadet stipend of four hundred twenty dollars a month. Mm-hmm. They'll be paid as an E five. Uh, they can get the GI Bill Select Reserve, which is, is it four hundred seven a month right now. Um, don't roast me if that's uh, if that's not the correct number. Uh, the GI Bill kicker three hundred fifty dollars a month. It depends on their contract. What what whatever they get in their contract would depend on what their kicker is. It ranges anywhere from one hundred to just at three hundred dollars a month. So. so it's safe to say that on top of the guard paying for up to one hundred percent of their tuition, they can make over a thousand dollars a month being a full-time college student absolutely for being an ROTC and being yes. in the National Guard that's that's uh that's pretty cool um, we talked a lot about you know training and, and you had mentioned a moment ago uh, lieutenant that uh, as you go up through the program you start leading it right to cadet ran program what are some of the leadership qualities that the program emphasizes and that you develop as a leader going through the program yeah, um, like I said, uh, time management is probably one of the biggest ones that you don't really get the opportunity to exercise unless you're forced into it. Mm-hmm. So that was one that I really loved. So it was time management, organization, uh, teamwork, because even though you're leading it, you need to learn how to delegate. When I say that people take on way too much because they think that they have to be the leader and just do everything having a team and having a really good relationship with them and like learning how to work with your peers is one of the biggest things because it becomes kind of a community of leaders and especially in the Indiana National Guard is very small. So you will see each other again and you will remember those relationships. And I think that's a really good one. And like Mr. Barker said earlier, discipline, because again, working with peers at that age, it can tensions can arise and having (laughs) that discipline to work through any issue especially because when you commission you are probably one of the youngest people in your units all of your oh yeah ncos enlisted people a lot of them have tons more experience and time they've been in the army longer than you've even thought about the army so (laughs) knowing how to interact with different personalities is also a really good one now, of course, with you know with us being in the guard, we have you know civilian jobs, right? Because uh, we you know we we do one week in a month, two weeks in the summer. How have you found that those leadership qualities can impact uh, and cross over to the civilian world as far as additional opportunities? I, either one of you, all three of you. <laughs> I mean, I can say that for the other side, I I can tell if another person is in the military one just from their assertiveness. I have noticed that. In the other side, I say armies on this side, and <laughs> everybody else is on the other side. Other side, got it. <laughs> on the other side, um, they are definitely not as assertive with leadership skills. I mean, even managers and supervisors, I find myself um, talking for them or helping them make decisions just because they don't. A lot of people don't get the kind of experience you get in the military, especially on the leadership side, to make decisions and be confident about those decisions and be able to portray your intent. Ma'am, are you telling me that the military decision-making process actually works? It does. Whoa. What? <laughs> what a concept. And for anyone who's listening, who's on the other side, it is possible to come to this side. Just call your local <laughs> Army National Guard recruiter. Side. Come to <laughs> Cadet Greer, I mean, I mean, same question. Have you found there's leadership qualities are, are crossing over? Uh, to kind of piggyback off of that, I think confidence would be the number one thing I would say. Um, for example, I've, I've been working in the, on the civilian side the entire time I've been in the National Guard, even through college. I could touch that uh, on that later, but 
um, confidence is number one from like start to finish and like in, in the civilian side from interview I'm a lot more confident during interview questions I know when to think on the spot uh, during that my like the actual job uh, I know to, how to interact with people from the manager standpoint to management uh, management standpoint to subordinates to other coworkers a lot more confident there um, and just just all around um, feel a lot more confident super cool so we talked about um, the the traits that help with the civilian side. Um, but I also know that ROTC can lead to a lot of different career paths and opportunities as well, um, both within the Indiana National Guard and on the civilian side. Um, do you have any experience with that right now? Because I know that you're about to graduate. Uh, yes. Yeah, so my SMP unit um, right now, I'm within the 127th Cyber Protection uh, Battalion. And there um, I've learned a lot of things, like really a lot of things relating to cyber, cybersecurity, IT, um, and another benefit to the National Guard, um, the Army will pay for certifications, and, and in my case, uh, IT and cyber certifications, and kind of going through that, um, it's really prepared me for the civilian side or even developing skills or uh, kind of like your uh, technical uh, skills and proficiencies inside the army and, and outside. So I've really got to experience on the technical side, uh, got to really go into that in, in, into depth within that. So that's awesome. Uh, ma'am. I can speak a little bit on the army side because after yep. college, I kind of went trying to find a career within the national guard. So, um, ADOS, ADOS order. So it's temporary active time, usually about a year at a time. And it's really to get your feet wet in the full-time side of Army. And I actually had initially come on to full-time orders during COVID. It was right after I graduated um, Bullock and I had only been out for three weeks and I had a friend, Unruh. I don't know if you remember Unruh. Um, she had offered me like, a job here and said hey we really need help if you're interested they need high-speed officers and here I am a couple of years later and it's just opportunities in the National Guard are always there and there's so many different positions you can work in operations you can work in training you can work in the PAO you can yeah. you can take pictures and videos and it can be awesome yeah options are unlimited mm -hmm. I went from an admin position to a photography yeah. position and <laughs> the, there are so many different jobs here that even if you get bored with one you can find an ados position at a whole, a whole nother unit yeah pao also has a podcast in case you were able to take pictures <laughs> of them they do, do have they? a podcast hmm. um no and it, it sounds like you know cadet guerrero you had mentioned you know you're, you're about to graduate in a little bit and you're going to have four years of not only hands-on experience in your in your space in your field uh you're going to have civilian certifications and you're going to have leadership experience right so at 22 three four years old uh you have a lot more on your resume than your your peer group oh and you have no student loans that is correct. You, uh, <laughs> that is and that's hard nice. to beat that. And, and ma'am, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, relationships matter. People matter. Uh, and the National Guard is small. So being able to network through the S&P, through the simultaneous membership program. So once you complete basic officer leadership uh, course, right, Bullock, uh, you are able to to just kind of jump into those roles. That's that's a great way that, uh, that ROTC does that. Sir, you've been in uh, recruiting since 88 and ROTC since 05. Have you found a similar experience? Absolutely. Um you know, to kind of piggyback on how how we we get these cadets ready for either the the military or the army world or the civ civilian life, as we take them through the process, ROTC is broken down into two phases or two courses. You have the basic course, which is comprised of your military science one and two year, which is your freshman and sophomore year, and then the advanced course, which is your military science three and four year, your junior and senior year. We call it that just just in case, and in some some instances, we'll have people come into the program that are in grad programs. So we offer you know master programs for 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 example, like a sergeant in the National Guard that has her undergrad in criminal justice and wants to bridge into a master's program. We have we have the opportunities to make that person a, 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 an army officer. So if they were coming in to do a two year master's program. They can come in the advanced portion of ROTC because basic training has covered the first two years of ROTC. They would actually be academically aligned, be able to start as a cadet, advanced course cadet, 
and then bridge in to the the commission world. He's trying to recruit me. If anyone hasn't <laughs> figured that out yet. <laughs> but uh, to to piggy, piggyback off what both of you said, so as as you come into the program as a basic course cadet, we train you on a just like they do army training. We you crawl, walk, run type of phase. So as you come in as a freshman level cadet, there's not a lot of time commitment, even though it's you know, it's only seven hours a week. It's just the time of the day. Of course, you know, we start our day off with physical fitness training, and we have to do that before the class day begins. 6.45 is, is what time physical fitness training would start, and that's three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then you have an hour of class once a week, which is 50 minutes, and then we have a two-hour lab. So that's what you're expected to do. So you just show up and 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 go through the process of of that of uh, as a as a basic course cadet and then once you bridge into the advanced portion uh of the program that's when we put you in your run phase and we start introducing you to those things that you called the military decision making process how to how to receive the five paragraph operations order how to decipher the order rewrite the order and deliver the order to your element so that's how, and it's a and it's a process. And like Sergeant Noto said, it's a cadet-led program. So as a basic course cadet, you're a you're either a, a cadet private uh, as a as you bridge in the advanced portion of the the program. As an MS3 cadet, you're a, a cadet NCO, and then eventually, as you you hit your senior year or your MS4 year, you're a cadet officer in the program. And that's how we we develop these 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 cadets into. To, to army officers. So, and that's going to, to go back to your original question. <laughs> that's going to prepare you not only for the army, but as you go into a civilian field as well, because you're still eventually, you're going to be a leader in that, in that, in that, uh, uh, profession. And then you're going to be leading people, not only managing people, but leading people. That I, makes sense. I will say um, the way we spoke about it, it makes it sound really overwhelming when you first start. So I just wanted to assure everybody um, their first one and two year course wise, it's really light. So they learn the rank structure, the warrior ethos, the army song. It's it's all very basic level stuff. The time commitment is still there. But when we talk about course load, it's it's not bad at all. They really do ease you into it. It seems like there's a lot of important skills and knowledge that you impress upon these cadets uh, through the program. Is there any other important skills or knowledge that these these cadets are learning? Well, I think the lieutenant had, had hit it, uh, the nail on the head on on the, the ability to work with people as a team. All right, and uh, and and developing that you know understanding that you're as strong as your weakest team member or as you know, as fast as your slowest team member. And then that <clears throat> that builds what he was talking about, that confidence level. So as you as you bridge into whatever career you're you're uh you you choose to do, both of those things are gonna be assets to any organization. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. So um within the Indiana National Guard like ROTC program, um when you're in college Balancing the the physical fitness aspect, the mental health aspect of the of the course load and the stress and working with people and and the academic performance of it all. Um, is there anything that like do the cadets help support each other? Is it the instructors that are helping support you to carry on? Where where does your support come from to push you through? So a lot of the uh, the cadets uh, each year they kind of. Um kind of get together, uh, be, they be honestly become friends outside of ROTC. Um, you know, we get invited to events uh, or even like uh, work together for volunteer events um, outside of ROTC. Um, and we kind of become kind of our own family within each other. And when we are like when we're in the labs, we're out on an FTX on a field training exercise, we really help each other out. You know, we, we kind of burn things down to um, like, hey, this is like, Kind of similar to in in a workplace environment, this this is work, and we separate work from family and like work from like with friends outside, um, and that separation, the ability to work through that together, it's it's very critical in in ROTC. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I actually recently have uh, referred to ROTC kind of being a fraternity because mm. you guys do everything together. You see each other almost every single day day of the week if you see each other outside of class you gravitate towards each other a lot of the ms classes within themselves become like their own groups because they have the same assignments same projects a lot of them not a lot of them but some of them have the same majors so you kind of become a family because you guys just go through the suck all the time together <laughs> i can definitely relate <laughs> we we've we, we've talked a lot about the program but we actually haven't talked about how to get involved in the program what the qualifications are so what what are the qualifications to join ROTC can i join if i'm not in college what, what do i have to be doing part time school online school well obviously if you know we're we're driving toward the simultaneous membership program here so so generally if you're if you're a member of the Indiana National Guard you're pretty much qualified to come into the the program okay so so just like uh when you enlisted in the, the, the Army National Guard, we still have to take you through the administrative qualification piece. So, one, in order to be an Army officer, you have to be a U.S. citizen, okay? So uh, that's, that's one of the things that you have to be. Now, you can participate if you're here on a permanent resident. Uh, um, green uh, card? Yes, green card. Um, uh, in the process of, of applying for your citizenship. Age requirements. Uh you, in order to commission, you cannot have re uh, uh, reached your 32nd birthday, okay? So you have to commission before you turn 32. So we'll, we'll take a look at that. Um, you know, dependency, marriage, those administrative type things. And then you'll actually have to go through a uh, Chapter 2 physical of 40-501 again. So, so it's an enlistment or induction type physical. Don't have to go to the MEPS, okay? No. <laughs> I tell you what, I did 23 <laughs> years in the Army, and the worst, my my worst two days in the Army were the day, <laughs> the day I joined the Army oh, and the day I left for training, spending at the Indianapolis MEPS. We might want to cut that out. <laughs> but, but, um, but anyway, you, you, you know, those are the basic qualifications in, in, in order to become an Army. So, so, I'm really glad that the co-host uh, staff sergeant, sergeant first class Schweitzer, who's an Indianapolis Meps guidance counselor, wasn't here today. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's writing contracts, but uh, shouts out Indy Meps. Well. So, you mentioned th those qualifications. Um, how many classes do I need to be in at a time, though? Can, can I can I be part time? Can I be on? Is there distance no, learning? It, 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 that that's a great question, Sergeant Noto. You have to be a full time student in order to participate in ROTC. And what constitutes a full full time student in an undergrad uh, degree map? It's twelve credits a semester. In a graduate program, it's nine nine degree uh, nine credits a semester. So. I wrote that down for her. I'm going to write it some yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. Put, put an email chain together. I'll, I'll just watch the podcast later. The it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you, you had mentioned, uh, Mr. Barker, that really you only need those those last two years if you already have basic and AIT, mm -hmm. right? Because that right. IADT knocks out uh, your first, uh, your, I mean, your MS1, MS2 year. So if you're going for that master's program like um, my esteemed co-host, nope, nope, uh, no. or if you are, uh, you know, you, you've already got some credits before joining the military, you're still eligible to commission through ROTC yes. as long as you have those oh, go ahead, I'm sorry so so that's what we do we, we we have to academically align you so so if you're one of those you know if you you've been to basic training you're you're able to go into the advanced portion of ROTC so wherever your degree map is is where we have to drop you down to okay so so if you're coming in with no college we have to put you in the freshman level class in ROTC and yes you know it's it, I almost equate it like the lieutenant said, it's almost like a pre-basic training task list. I mean, you're learning things like, uh, you know, customs and courtesies, uh, rank structure, mm -hmm. uh, land navigation. And we, we, we try to make it interesting uh, uh, and, and, and keep your attention on the, on the, uh, uh, the instruction. But more so, we use you as a resource for our progression-type cadets that come in uh, to help them and learning drill and ceremony and that type of thing. Does that make sense? It, it does, sir. We're using a lot of terms like progression. Um, what is an SMP cadet? What, what does SMP stand for and what does that mean for a, a soldier? 
uh, SMP stands for simultaneous, simultaneous membership program. Uh, so that means you're a member of a reserve component of the Army, such as the National Guard and ROTC at the same time. So in order for you to go into that program, uh, you have to be accepted into ROTC uh, by the by the program, and the National Guard has to agree for you to participate in ROTC. Do you so, still have to go to drill? You do still oh, have to go to that's drill. Unfortunate yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunate for you. Well, <laughs> what, what do you do at drill? I mean, it's different though, right? So what yes. do you do as a as an SMP contracted cadet? So I guess it, it, it does depend unit to unit, but for example, for me, um, it's spent about half the time I'm shadowing my lieutenant. I'm learning um, in, in our use case, under cyber, uh, learning leadership capabilities or planning process within uh, cyber operations. And then the other time is either studying, um, learning new technical skills, uh, uh, being immersed in what they call the cyber operations, kind of like the realm of it um, under, that, under that cloud. So it's, it's split between those, those two. How about yourself, ma'am? How, how was your S&P experience? So mine was a very atypical SNP experience when it came to the tr traditional drilling side. So um, when I was first coming through, we had this unit called the RSDO for um, ROTC cadets in their MS1 and 2 year to kind of prep them for advanced camp. So we would do training such as land nav, and we had every um, MS1 and 2 in the state um, over at Atterbury. So um, I had spent um, my MS two year there and I got asked to be cadre so I actually spent my SP time as a cadet in charge of other cadets um <laughs> teaching land nav and <laughs> other things <laughs> and lieutenants still get lost I I, I, <laughs> hey, hey, I I can tell you I did land nav every month for three years once I got to advanced camp I was like Psh, got it I'm um, good Mr. Barker, you had used the term contracted cadet. Uh, when when a, a guard soldier is an SMP and they contract into the program, does that mean they're they're going to have to commission as a guard officer? No, no. There's uh, there's pathways where you can commission as an active duty officer as well, uh, and go through what we call the accessions process. Uh, depending on uh, what your status is as a as a uh, as, as an SMP cadet. Uh, for example, uh, a good lieutenant here was on what we call a guaranteed reserve forces duty contract um, with with us, and that meant she was on a three-year dedicated guard scholarship where she had to uh, actually commission into the Army National Guard. Okay. Uh, Cadet Guerrero here, he, he did a, a, a GRFD non-scholarship option where he left active duty on the table, so if he wanted to compete for the active Army, he can do so through through our sessions process. So, to clarify, the Army National Guard is still paying for your undergrad. You're still getting all those stipends we talked about, and you still have the opportunity to compete to become an, a potentially an active duty Army officer. Is that right? That is correct. That sounds uh pretty awesome. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a great opportunity. Um, if if someone does take a scholarship or their non scholarship, is there what, what kind of commitment are they looking at once they commission as an army officer? Well, <clears throat> that's they'll their their enlisted contract. Once they commission, their their enlisted contract will be voided out, and they'll do another uh, eight year MSO or uh, military service obligation. Okay, so it's a statutory obligation. So anyone that goes into the military, once you sign on the uh, the dotted line, you have an eight year MSO. Contractually will depend on what type of, uh, of uh, contract you had with ROTC will de determine on how, how long you have to serve. For example, if Cadet Guerrero decided that he wanted to go in the active army, he would do a new MSO or eight-year MSO, but his, his obli obligation in the army would only be three years, okay, versus the good lieutenant here, she, she – she was on a, a guaranteed reserve forces duty, dedicated guard scholarship. She has to compete. Uh, she has to complete that uh, MSO, the full time in the Indiana National Guard. So her commitment is eight years in the National Guard. We got to do a better job naming that scholarship. It's too long. Yeah, it's too long of a <laughs> GRFD well, is what we yeah. call it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no so, one says that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> So with the um, with the ROTC programs in 
Well, I guess you as well. Um, with your experience, did the group seem really diverse? And I know that the Army brings a lot of different backgrounds. How was that experience for both of you? I could start oh, off with yeah, that one. Sure. So okay. um, one piece that uh, the lieutenant had to say was personalities. So mm -hmm. we, and for example, my class, we are a bunch of different personalities in there. Mm -hmm. And it we did butt heads at times, especially during uh, labs and FTX. And that kind of like, for, I'd say for the first three or four weeks, it, it was a problem, but we kind of set things aside, uh, kind of knew what we had to do. And uh, we resolved that portion of it with kind of the diversity of our group. Uh, it, it's very diverse and it's kind of caused to have like different uh, ways people solve issues, being under pressure. But it, it, I, I'd say in, in the end, it kind of like, um, I don't know, it balances each other. It, it, everyone balances each other out and it even helps us kind of see what uh, in their eyes, uh, what, it what it needs to, to, uh, to have from A to B. But yeah, I don't know. It, that it's it, in our in our case, it it really it's really helped us out. Yeah, I mean, I want to start off by saying like I was with a great group of people. However, if you're just looking at a snapshot of my graduating class, again, it's being in the army. It's always going to be majority men, and then so I think we only had about four-ish females out of our I think eighteen that may have commissioned. It was at the end of COVID, so we didn't even see each other in person. I'm trying to remember who was all in my class. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. But um, so there are always going to be way less w women in anything you do in the Army. And then for people of color, I think there were about three of us out of 18. So representation-wise, it was a little low. But the more people I meet, the more I see people of color and women joining the ROTC program. I mean, I have a private at my unit who's already interested and she is of color and a woman and she is an amazing person. I can't wait to introduce her to Mr. Brucker when we come back from our mode. I can't either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, growing numbers are always good. Um, uh, it, it's taken a second, um, but I'm seeing people come down the pipeline that I'm really looking forward to. And you know, that diversity, it, it really brings a lot to the community and um, the army and our, our family that we have. Every background is super important for us to create that really welcoming and uh, diverse way of thinking. So that's awesome. That's great to hear. I agree. I couldn't agree. My, <laughs> thank you. I'm just listening. That's a great statement. Um, what is your most memorable moment from being in the National Guard, ROTC, or just being in the Guard? Man, that one's that one is a rough one. Um, <laughs> I wrote it myself. I know, I, I well, to <laughs> not not to be that that wasn't a pessimistic statement, but um, I've had a real a lot of good experiences. Um, I enjoy working with all of my uh, kind of counterparts in the ROTC program, and learning a lot from the recently graduated MS4 class. Um, my my favorite part, I'd say, like recently, just talking ROTC uh, was this past recent FTX. Uh, kind of a background on me i'm a very shy reserved person and entering rotc it was really hard on me uh kind of getting used to uh, the planning process the confidence level but this past ftx it was kind of like uh, something to, to prove to myself like hey can i do this and working through those uh e each situation lanes uh in in those lanes um I, I kind of proved to myself, like, hey, I can do this. I can work with person X, person Y. I can lead this troop. I can coordinate. Um, and a lot of that aspect was kind of like I, I just felt with joy. I kind of, uh, you know, was a little emotional. But it that that piece was kind of very positive for my mental health and, I don't know, o overall with my motivation with the Army. That's pretty cool. Mine yeah. was actually a really long time ago. Um, <laughs> back when I was enlisted in the 68 Whiskey AIT, we were there for a long time. So I was away from home for the first time, 18 years old. Um, I was away for like seven months. And it was honestly, I think, one of the most fun and terrible times I never want to have again. But <laughs> it was something that I'll never forget because, I mean, it's it's the first time you really experience the army and it's the first time you really like 
build those relationships and like experience that camaraderie because i mean what really keeps you in the army most of the time is the people men and women right next to you so that was i i think because it was my first experience and it was so like life-changing that's my favorite you're telling me you didn't love joint base san antonio i did love san antonio <laughs> it was a it's a it's a good post it, it river walk is pretty cool uh i did i was down Whoa. there for ait mm -hmm. as well uh for my very real mos of being a veterinary food inspection specialist 68 romeo shouts out to all 10 of us what? uh <laughs> never heard that <laughs> it's a real job look it up we've got a youtube video <laughs> mr barker you spent 24 years in the army what's what's been your most memorable experience in the military as a whole well i tell you what i right now speaking right now is 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 commissioning day you know, mm -hmm. so every year this is, uh, I'm going into my 18th year at IEPUI. So watching, watching the transformation from people like this young lady sitting next to me, going from a, a MS-1 level cadet to serving as a lieutenant in the Army and watch it, watching them walk across, across the stage and getting pinned with that bar, it just, it, 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 it really does something to you. And I, I try to reflect back to the first time that we met and we actually talked and, and then watching them grow up in the program. That's, that's my, that's my best memories. So. All right. Well, we got to ask the recruiter this question. If someone was considering <laughs> ROTC, what's some, what's some advice that you would give them? Well, I mean, uh, so, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest thing is, is what you want to study. Okay. And both of these, these young folks could tell you that you're going to spend most of your time in ROTC in your academic program. Okay. So one, what is it, what's your passion? What is it you want to do in, in, in terms of a degree map? Okay. And uh, the second thing is, is where you want to go to, where you want to go to school um, because you're, that's where you're going to spend most of your time. I, I, I always tell, uh, you know, folks that come in and sit down and talk to me, ROTC programs change, leadership changes, those types of things. Uh, so, you know, you include it in your decision-making process, but you want to lean hard on where you want to go to school. So, and what you want to study. And then if you're not sure, and I break, I break down an applicant in three, three areas. I, uh, you have the top 20% or 20% of them, I call them Rambos, you know, they know this is what they, they want to do. There's no question about it, that this is something they, they, you know, that they've, they've been dreaming of for years. And then on the other side of the curve, you have those, those folks that have no intention of serving into the army. So they come in and they use ROTC as a, as a gym credit or whatever, an elective credit to, to, to fill up a, a schedule. And then we have the, the middle 60% that I call fence sitters. And this is the, the, because, because ROTC is an open enrollment program, it's, it's possible for you to come in, and I always use the analogy of dipping your toe down in the water before you take the plunge. So you can come in and kind of try it out and see if this is something you want to do. And it gives us as cadre an opportunity to, to you know, kind of assess you to see if you got what it takes to be like this young lady right here. Or this young man so 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 and if it's a good fit then we look at you know one of the 50 different routes that you could do as a as a cadet in rotc and which course of action works best for you so so this is a little bit different than you know joining the national guard where you meet you know a sergeant noto and a couple weeks later you're at meps enlisting in the guard this process could take up to two years so 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 just depending on where you're at in that process so my biggest advice is those three things. So. Do you guys have any, mm -hmm. any advice? I do want to agree about the uh, degree path because I had chosen one of the hardest degrees. And uh, again, I am now full-time military and I am not using it at all. I majored in biology and it was, especially those last two years was rough. So really think about your future and what's realistic for you and what you actually really want to do because I could have majored in something way easier because <laughs> I really used my degree as a stepping stone to becoming an army officer and my career in the army. So, yeah, just really think about your degree path and then just know you can do it. Like, it's it it's going to suck. You're going to be stressed out. You're going to question everything you've 
ever thought about in your life, but you'll get through it and you'll become an officer and you'll be better for it. Cybersecurity is an easy degree, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, so one thing I want to just finally like emphasize on is with time management. Um, There's a lot of diverse people that kind of have like outside things uh, with ROTC. For example, part-time, full-time job. For me, I I work a full-time job and I am still in ROTC and and it is possible. Um, There's other people that are busier than, than myself that either volunteer, they're a mentor, they still have a full-time job. I just wanted to emphasize that it, it is possible to manage your time around ROTC and your academic studies all at the same time to kind of have, uh, I don't know, a more promising future. But I, at the same time, I could argue the other way where you can just focus on ROTC uh, since a lot of people are on the OML structure um, that they want to get the most points for active duty and they want to focus more with ROTC and their school time. So it, it, it's very flexible, at, uh, in my opinion. You said something about money. I, I hear allegedly that you can get uh, ten thousand dollars extra if you get a if you get a GRFD scholarship. Throwing it out there. A year? <laughs> ten thousand a year for room and board. That's true. And yes. then twelve hundred dollars a year for books. Not that I would. That's what he meant by non scholarship. He doesn't get the extra five grand a semester for room and board, but I did. For, Come back. for me, I, I go through the uh, national. <laughs> I Guards. got paid to go to school. It was glorious. For, for me, I rely on the, the National Guard Supplemental <laughs> Grant, and I guess you can uh, explain that a little bit more, sorry, Noto, but it's a very good uh, opportunity that the Indiana National Guard in the state of Indiana has to offer. But. Mr. Barker's recruiting everyone today. I, he's got at least two leads, and I, and I love it. Uh, no, that, that's that's great. Yeah, like like you said, uh, Kodekaro, I mean, the NGSG and the FTA will pay for up to 100% uh, of your college, and you know, they've changed FTA and NGSG now to pay for, or NGSG to pay for part of private school too. So it's, there's really, uh, there's so many opportunities out there for our guardsmen. Um, we, we asked, you know, what, what one piece of advice you'd offer to someone thinking about ROTC, but what about one piece of advice to someone who's thinking about just joining the military as a whole? I think... If you're thinking about it, you should do it. It's not something you'll regret. It is something that will make you grow as a person. It'll teach you more than you've ever thought it could. And you'll meet some of the most amazing people. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I guess you count. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Rucker, I know you spent a long time in recruiting. Uh, even even more than me. Uh, what What is one piece of advice you'd offer someone uh, who's thinking about joining the, the military? Well, <clears throat> the military has a lot to offer, okay? And I, I generally break it down into three areas, what you're, what you're looking for. Um, obviously, uh, there's service to country. I mean, that, that's one thing you can do. Uh, the other, other couple things is either skill training or adventure. Uh, uh, you know, when I, I graduated from Lawrence North High School way back in 1981, I think they let me graduate personally. I think they to get me out of there. But, <clears throat> uh, you know, I, as as far as continuing my education at the time, that didn't interest me. What interested me was adventure type training. So I enlisted as an uh, 11 Bravo airborne guy uh, and I got to go jump out of an airplane. So that was pretty cool to me. Uh, and and as I was growing up in the army, I started realizing the uh, the uh, the opportunities for education in the army. The army's paid for two of my master's degree, master's degrees and my my undergrad. So so it's I always look at the the army as a as a as a tree. I mean, you start off as this sapling, and there's just there's always all kinds of ways that you can branch out into. You know. Who thought, you know, back in 2020 that you'd be sitting in a in a room with me doing a yeah, podcast again? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, so, so it's uh, there's a lot of opportunities, and of, of course the skill training thing. If that's your thing, I mean, uh, you know, there's there's 150 different jobs that you can go into to to to, to obtain a skill and get paid while you're doing it. So, so shouts out Army. Yes, <laughs> Cadet Guerrero. Cadet Guerrero uh, I mean, what's one piece of advice you'd offer to someone who's thinking about joining the military? So I just want to. I have two things. One thing isn't really related to well, a little bit, but is the family aspect of it. And I know you hit up on it a little bit. Um, being able to see the same people again is very, very critical. And what I mean by that is, 
uh, when you first learn, when, when you first get to know somebody, you'll learn their learning styles. You get to know them personally on a personal level. Um, you'll get to know how you work with them. And with that existing knowledge from, from before, let's say four years later, you get to see them in the same unit. They're not in a leadership position. And then and there, you already know how they learn, how you talk to them and how you work with them. So being able to jumpstart that, you get to go on a mission quicker. You get to uh, go on like on a training plan a lot easier. It'll go a lot smoother. And that's the experience I've seen so far just within the Indian National Guard. Um, secondly, it, with my piece of advice is um, if you know you want to join the Army, I my piece of advice is to analyze all the options you have to join the Army. Um, for example, with like the S&P program, uh, if you're like 16, 17 years old, 18, you can join the Indiana National Guard as enlisted and then move to um, ROTC or OCS um, in that route. Or if you just want to go enlisted, uh, there's multiple ways to be enlisted. Or, well, I guess there's really only one way. But um, Multiple so, jobs? Yes. Yeah. Um, that's what I meant. Thank you. And specifically, like, if you're already in college, um, there's a couple ways in joining ROTC. One that I, that I didn't know that I learned recently was... Um, you can sign a tr contract to be enlisted, and from there you can contract to ROTC to have the SMP option. Is that correct? Sorry, no. Oh, nine Romeo. Yes, yeah, that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. So that's that's an option, and it's a very good opportunity there because you get to be an SMP directly and instead of being enlisted, and you'll get to learn uh, kind of the both aspects of enlisted and officer in one, uh, which is a great opportunity. But. Um, there, there's multiple ways in, in doing things and uh, getting to know the benefits in it uh, and taking advantage of what the Army has to offer. I know for Mr. Barker say it, there's so many ways to skin a cat, right? There's just there's so many routes to to commission and, and to get the most out of the military. Anything else you guys want to add? Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm so yeah. glad you, we could finally make this happen. <laughs> I know. It, it took a minute. I Just for... Those who don't know, I was on this podcast as soon as I commissioned about three years ago is when I first came on here with him. And it's great coming back and answering kind of the same questions, but having way more experience and advice to offer. I got writer's block, all right? I just use the same questions over him. I'm sorry about that. Won't happen again. <laughs> See you again in three years. Uh, no, no, thank you all so much for, for coming on the Lima Charlie podcast. It has been so uh, informative. Um, I know that our listeners will be able to learn more about the opportunities available through ROTC and you know, S&P at the National Guard. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, comment. Leave my Charlie out. Oh,